Hey friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road, and we're excited. I got my partner, Daryl Spicer, with me, and he's excited too. I'm excited because we're going to bring trailer trucking to the radio. We're a couple old trailer truckers, and our ministry is to the driver. But you know, that's the way it started, but all of a sudden we figured it out. It's not a truck driving ministry, it's a whosoever ministry. So we're going to hopefully enlighten you a little bit about the trucking industry, but more importantly, we want to bring Jesus to the drivers out there on the road and to you. So join us now for Church on the Road. goes down the hum of 18 wheels lord that's a lonely sound i spend all day chasing that old white line i've been on the road so long i've lost track of time now it don't matter where i'm going i just gotta drive i have the white line fever to the I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two chrome stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue Mac Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I die I said hey isn't it Daryl? It sure is. Yeah I'll tell you what now we love riding up and down this old lonesome road with you drivers out there and we're so thankful that you let us in the cab with you. We are we just don't like riding across Arkansas that I-30 is just too rough. <laughs> it's a washboard for sure. It but sure is. when you're riding in a truck like this you hardly even feel it. You don't back in the days when I drove that old cab over with no air ride I couldn't even pick my nose going down through here I'd poke my eyeball out from the inside. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was pretty tough uh, back before CB radio. Hey, driver, how about turning that radio on? We're going to listen to a couple of songs, then we're going to listen to our good friend, Terry Hopkins. How about Mike Manuel? Man, I tell you, he is a great singer-songwriter, and he lives from Nashville right now. Yeah, but he's from Texas, and you know how I know he's from Texas? How's that? He's got a 12-gallon hat. (laughs) He sure does. So here's our good friend, Mike Manuel. Show 
Well, Daryl, you did say a couple songs, so here's another one by Mike Manuel. Never was a good man It was much the other way And I know how it feels To want to give up on some days And I might hold the record for the most mistakes made But to a man called Jesus I'm a trophy of grace and No, I don't deserve All this love that comes my way Anyone who really knows me Still can't believe that I'm okay And you may never find my name In some old hall of fame But he's got a place to put me Cause I'm his trophy of grace Now it's just in our nature to wander outside the lines till pain and disappointment it makes its way into our lives But unmerited faith it conquers all our sin and shame Oh, and we become God's treasure And Satan's prizes torn away And no, I don't deserve All this love that comes my way Anyone who really knows me Still can't believe that I'm okay And you may never find my name In some old hall of fame But he's got a place to put me Cause I'm his trophy of grace. Terry Hopkins is riding along with us today, and we're going to hear a message that he preached. This is preaching, friends, and some of the best preaching you're ever going to hear. It is, and he talks about the devil. Ooh. So when I get back here, I want to make sure the lights are on in this sleeper because I get scared of the dark when you start talking about the devil. Well, you get back here and cover up your head, and we're going to listen to Terry Hopkins telling on the devil. Yeah. 
you would, open your Bibles to Job chapter 1. And I appreciate being encouraged. It's always good when somebody encourages. And Tommy Davis came by and told my wife, said, we heard Terry was preaching tonight and we came anyway. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. I want to preach a little while on telling on the devil. Telling on the devil. In Job chapter 1, the Bible says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite the three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was that when the day of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings, and according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. Thus Job did regularly. Verse 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hand and the possessions he has increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely cuss, curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on this person. So Satan went out of the presence of the Lord. Now in Job, now this is an upright, blameless family man, finances are in order, straight man, has everything going for him. And there's a meeting in heaven and Satan comes to that meeting. Now I'm going to tell you right now, you think Satan doesn't come in the meetings in the house of God, you're wrong. He comes into every meeting, he's everywhere, he's going to and fro, and where he's not, he's sending his demons. And uh, Satan gives his report. He says, I've been going to and fro in the earth. And listen, I get reports every week. Uh, he is going to and fro. I get reports from India. I get reports from China. I get reports from Haiti. I get reports from all over the world. Satan is busy about his business. You can count on it. Now, God challenges Satan uh, to take his servant Job. Now, God knew what he was going to do for Job. In verse 10 and 11, Satan accuses Job of being a hypocrite. Now, listen, he still uses that today. Uh, how many times have you ever had anybody say, I'd come to your church if it wasn't so many hypocrites, if it wasn't filled up with hypocrites? Now, he still uses that all the time. I heard an old preacher say one time, said, man, you'd rather go to church with a handful of them or go to hell with all of them. Uh, <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, God gives him permission to come after Job. Now, but what I want to do tonight for a little while is I want to take a close, close look at Satan. You know, he is the enemy. And if we don't know the enemy, and we don't know who we're fighting, and we don't know what we're dealing with, then we do not know how to succeed. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. 
And I'm going to read some scripture there, more than I probably normally would. But this is the first mention of Satan. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You won't surely die. You will not surely die. Changed one word. For God knows that in the day you eat of, if your eyes will be open, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband, and he ate with her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. You can't hide from God. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? And, and eaten? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman gave it to me. And then she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is it you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now, here starts the uh, soap opera of life. He said, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That is the prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain shall bring forth children. You, your desire for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded, you say that you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistle it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the herb of the field and the sweat of your face to eat the bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For from dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now that's the best, one of the best known Bible stories in all of the Bible. But as I looked at this, and as I thought about this, and when you think about it, Satan is the father of lies. And, and listen... The question that God arose in my heart is here's Eve who believes a lie and here's Satan who tells a lie. Now which is more dangerous? To believe a lie or to tell a lie? They're both dangerous. They're both damaging. Uh, or how do we protect ourselves? What Eve should have done is what we should do. She should have went back to the Word of God. He said the day you eat thereof you shall surely die. Satan said you shall surely not die. One word, because Eve didn't go back to the Word of God. Listen, he's the prince of darkness. We uh, remodeled our basement in our house, and my daughter Christina, she's 14, uh, and she's not texting. That's a miracle. And, and, and so she was going to stay downstairs, and, well, that was going to be her domain, and she was going to live there, and she was going to stay down, and she wasn't coming back upstairs ever. Well, she found out when she went down there, it gets dark. Now, she also learned two things about the dark. The dark won't hurt you, but it will make you hurt yourself. <laughs> Sorry, Lucy. Now, 
Satan, he's the prince of darkness, changed one word, not. Just one word. Now, I want to just give you some facts about the enemy. And I want you to listen to this. And we'll preach it a little while, but I want you to get this. I want you to know who we're fighting, and I want you to know how we can fight him, and I want to tell you how we can win. The names of Satan, his primary name, Satan, means adversary. Devil carries the idea of hindering someone, causing someone to stumble. His secondary name is Apollyon. It means destroyer in Revelation 9, Beelzebub. Listen to this. The name of the Philistine god of the flies and dung. That's in Matthew 12. Belial means worthless, 2 Corinthians. Lucifer, he was called in Isaiah. His titles are descriptions of the evil, wicked one in Matthew, the tempter in 1 Thessalonians, the prince of this world in John 12, the god of this age in 2 Corinthians, the prince of the power of the air uh, in Ephesians 2.2, accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12, deceiver of the whole world in Revelation 12.9. He's the prince of the demons. He's the prince of the spirit now working among the children of disobedience. He's adversary, prosecuting attorney, brings charges against you, 1 Peter 5, 8. He's the father of lies, John 8, 44. He's a murderer, both spiritual and physical. Uh, he's represented as a serpent, a dragon, an angel of light in 2 Corinthians, as a roaring lion in 1 uh, Peter. And, 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 but he's got limitations. He's accountable to God. He's open before God in Proverbs 15. And you need to know something. He's not omni anything, Brother Pat. He is not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He is not omniscient. He has imposed limitations. He doesn't know everything. He can't be everywhere at one time. He can go to and fro in the world, and that's it. He's imposed limitations, Job 1-2. He can be resisted by Christians in James 4-7, and he must employ demons. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, they had a meeting in heaven, Brother Pat, and Satan came to the meeting in heaven. He went to the Garden of Eden in a perfect environment, and he took the whole human race down. And I'm going to tell you right now, can you imagine one of the, him sending his demons from First Baptist Snellville? And if you don't think he doesn't send his demons here, then you need to hear this message tonight. But can you go and imagine them going back to Satan and all the years that it's been here and all the times that he's tried to shut her down and couldn't and they're going back and reporting to Satan and he said, well, have you knocked them out yet? No, hadn't knocked them down yet. And listen, church, we're not down. And let me tell you something. As long as Jesus Christ is alive and sitting on the throne, we won't ever be down. He's my Lord. He's my God, and He's my Savior. And listen, I not only love Him, I trust Him. Now, listen, and we say, well, how are we going to fight the devil? Well, if you understand the Word of God, you've got somebody fighting for you all the time. Defense is furnished by Jesus Christ. Satan is a defeated foe, John 12, 31. Uh, defense is furnished by the intercessory ministry of Jesus Christ, John 17. Can you imagine... If somebody said, are you praying for me? And they said, well, I pray for you every day or I got you down for every Tuesday or I pray for you every Thursday. But what about Jesus Christ? He prays without ceasing for every one of you by name, knows every hair on your head. And listen, He loves you and He protects you and He's not going to let anything come your way that's going to hurt you. I don't care how bad it seems, it's going to help you. Now, there's 16 destructive dealings of Satan. Now, when these come your way, 
you know, and this is all scriptural, disappointment. In Romans 3, 28, you say, Brother Terry, I'm disappointed. Well, I know where it came from. Discouragement in 1 Samuel. Despair. How many people in this world today are in despair? Doubt in 2 Timothy. Disbelief. Oh, you know, that's one of the greatest things he's got going. He has most people believing that he's in a little red suit with a little forked tail, and he's just the cutest thing you've ever seen. Oh, no, he's not. He's not cute. He's beautiful. He was so beautiful he could come in the garden and sit down beside Eve and he could tell her, and listen, he is not ugly. And listen, he is whatever he has to be to get you. Uh, he's a doubter. He's a disbelief. He brings distractions in Matthew 14. Double-mindedness in James 1.8. Dishonesty in 2 Corinthians. Deceit in Jeremiah. Dullness in Hebrews. Deadness in Hebrews. Delay in Proverbs. Discord in Proverbs. Defilement in 1 Corinthians. Defame, Proverbs 10, 18. Disobedience. Listen, church, he is a liar and he is a loser. And can you see him a little more clear now? Can you understand that that's who you're fighting? You know what Satan have you to do? He'll have you to fight each other. He'll have you to fight your mate. He'll have you to fight your church. But the one that you've got to fight, the one that you've got to stand against is Satan himself. Now, we can see him a little bit clearer now. So I want to go back to Job for a minute. We're coming back to him, but I want to go to Job for a minute and see what he teaches us. He's lost his family. He's lost his finances. He's lost everything. In chapter 24, Job's complained that, well, it's just the condition of the world. Have you looked at this world lately? But that wasn't Job's problem. And let me tell you something. That's not our problem. Satan is our problem. Who do you think started the war in Iraq? Think it was Satan? Who do you think's doing all this murder? Who do you think encouraged these terrorists and empowered them? Government? Could it be Satan? Why don't we just tell on the devil and put it where it's due? He's the one that's doing all of this. Then in chapter 27, Job, he says, Till I die, I will not put away my integrity. God bless Job. Job said, listen, I can't control what everybody else is going to say about me. He said, but I control myself. And listen, church, that's what you have to do. When you stand before Jesus, you're going to stand alone. It's not going to be me and you and Jesus. It's not going to be you and the church and Jesus. It's going to be me and Jesus. It's going to be you and Jesus. Now in chapter 29, Job's defense he said, oh, that I was in the months past, as in the days when God watched over me. Now, Job makes several mistakes here. Number one, he started living in the past. Church, I guarantee you, I don't want to live in my past. And if you've ever heard it, you'd know why. And church, we don't want to go in the past. God wants us to live in the now and now. And then he wants you to have a vision. He said, where the, there was no vision, the people perished. This church has a vision. Did you think we were going to build that building and pay every dime of it and that Satan was just going to sit back and let that happen? Absolutely not. I hate these earpieces. <laughs> and I hate the devil. Job was going downhill. Now he had questioned God. You ever question God? You ever say, God, what are you doing? Lord, why would you let this happen? And, and sometimes people tell me, Brother Pat, they say, well, we ain't got to worry. God's got everything in control. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have you in control. 
Did you know I can walk out of this pulpit and go to the liquor store tonight and God probably will not stop me? He pro- I, I don't think He would. I'm not going though. I got born again. The Holy Spirit of God lives in me. And that that is in me is stronger than that that is in the world. But you say God's just going to take care of everything. No, He's not. And when it comes right down to it, we've got to take care of our own business. Amen? Well, He questioned God. Don't ever question God because he might answer you. He might tell you what you don't want to hear. Now, I'm going to read out of Job 38 where God answers him. Then the Lord said to Job out of the whirlwind, and he said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. Uh Uh-oh. I will question you. Job, I'll question you, and you're going to answer me, buddy. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Whoa. Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know, Job. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone? And when the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up in the sea with its doors? When it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and the thick darkness its swallowing band, when I fixed my limit for it and set the bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come, but no farther, and here your proud ways must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your day's begun? I'm 59 years old. Every time I've gotten up, the morning has not failed to come. The tides have not failed to come in. When God created this and hung the world on nothing and spoke it, it was so. And it's still so. And it's still the Word of God. And that's why you have to run back to the Word of God. There's one place in here, he goes on for chapters. And he said, Job, he said, where was you when I put the water in the clouds? And he said, and by the way, Job, where were you when I dispersed it? Do you know how many tons of water or in one storm, a hundred thousand tons of water. And he said, Job, could you get a hundred thousand tons of water in the clouds? Or could you disperse it? Do you realize what would happen if a hundred thousand tons of water fell on this place? We're done. And Job, oh dear Lord, Job finally, in chapter 42, after chapters of God questioning Job, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, Lord, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you, and you shall answer me. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Listen, this church. But now my eyes see you. Therefore I hate myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. He said, I've heard, God, all this I've been through, all with my family, losing my family, all of my friends. He said, God, I've heard. He said, but till this moment, God, I haven't seen how great you are. I haven't seen how awesome you are. God, you have hit me right in the heart with who you are and what you are. And you are a wonderful God. And Job said, in the light of this, he said, I see myself. And he said, I hate myself, God. 
You are holy. And God, I am nothing. And you know, we're nothing. Anything above, that's pride. God didn't have to make us. God didn't have to love us. But God did. He made us. And He loves us. And He cares about us. And listen, you know what people need to hear? They don't just need to, they need to see God. But they've got to hear God. I've been to the Ukraine several times. But I was over there a few years ago in a Ukrainian prison. Just visiting. And we had to pay the commandant. We had to bribe him to get into the prison. And they said, well, we don't want to do that. And I said, you may not want to do that, but I'll do that. All I had to give him was 100 American dollars. I would have given him a lot more than that to have gone in there. And then the, the translator said, well, listen, everybody that comes here goes to that prison. And they've got about 800 men and said, but they are so hard-hearted. Well, we had been visiting. We had been visiting uh, their, their temples and and, and, and uh, I just felt such a burden for him, and I said, no, we're going to pay this man, and we're going to go in there, and we're going to preach the gospel to these guys. I don't care how many times they've heard. We went, we paid, we went in, and listen, when we got in there, I began to tell them about going into their temples and going into where they worship, and listen, you go in there, and, and, and there's a, Jackie, there's a coffin sitting in the middle of the room, and there's a dead saint in it, and listen, they go in and kiss that coffin, and it was worn out where they go in and kiss it. Then there were icons. There was pictures of saints all the way around the wall, and the canvases were wore out where they went and kissed those canvases. And, and, and it was just unbelievable. So as I told them where we'd been and what we'd seen, one guy out in the 800 started waving his hand, and the commandant looked at me, and I said, I said, does he want something? And so he spoke, and the translator said, he wants to ask you a question. And I said, sure, he can ask me a question. And he asked me, he said, do you worship icons? And I said, no. And you could hear the groan go through 800 men. Mm. And I said, hold on. I said, now, can I ask him a question? And they said, yes. And I said, well, this, this is the question. I said, what if today... This day, the commandant would allow me, and I could bring to you, to put in your cell, I could bring a picture of your wife, or I could bring your wife. Which one would you choose, the picture or your wife? And I said, guys, that's why we came. That's why we're here. We want to tell you about a God that you don't have to have a picture of. We want to tell you about a God that will move in and be your God and he'll let you know who he is and all the wonders of him. Well, one guy on the front row stood up and said, then two, then three, then 800 stood and clapped. They were beginning to see. They had heard and they had heard and they had heard. Listen, when we got through preaching the gospel there, glory to God, there's 200 men that saw Jesus. Listen, it's just that simple. You've got to see Jesus. And if you ever see him, trust me, you won't ever, never, never get over him. July the 18th, which was Friday, 1982, at 11 p.m. at 5161 Rose Stone Drive. I saw Jesus. And let me tell you something, Brother Pat. I hadn't gotten over seeing Jesus. I love him. And listen, I would. I honestly would. Maybe I don't know any better. But where I came from, I'm still so thankful. I would die for him. And you know what? We may have to. 
And what an honor that would be to be martyred for the Son of God that loved us and died for us. Oh, listen, tonight we need to see Jesus. I worked at electrical distributors for three years after I got saved. And, and after I went there, I got fired from my job after I got saved. After three weeks, I'd been there 11 years, and the boss said, you know, said, we don't need no preacher on the payroll. And he fired me. Been there 11 years. I ran his company. And so I got another job with electrical distributors, and I started witnessing to those guys. And the boss called me in, and he said, you're going to stop that. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, I own the place. I'm telling you what you're going to do. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, I said, listen, if I'm not doing my job, God bless you, fire me. I said, but I am not going to quit. These guys talk about the Atlanta Falcons, and I want to talk about Jesus Christ. I said, guys, I, 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 I'm not going to lie to you, Mr. Martin. I, I'm not going to do it. So later that afternoon, they called me back in. They said, listen, tomorrow when you come, wear your jeans. I said, okay. I was inside sales and was going outside selling. I knew how to sell. He said, wear your jeans. And I said, okay. I said, why do you want me to wear my jeans? He said, because you'll be working with Robert Ponder. And I said, that's the guy that cleans up, isn't it? They said, well, he puts up stock, and he cleans up, and he empties the trash, and you'll be working with him tomorrow. I said, all right. So I went out and found Robert, and I said, hey, Robert. He said, hey, Rev. I said, Robert, I said, I'll be working with you tomorrow. He said, uh, Rev, I don't need no help. I said, well, you better tell them, because they told me to wear a pair of jeans and come in there and to help you. And, and, and he just couldn't believe it. He said, I don't, I don't know why they'd do that. And I said, brother, it don't matter. And I said, Robert, you have been saved? <laughs> he said, uh, no, sir. He said, I ain't never been saved. I said, good, we can talk about it. So we came and I worked with Robert. And, and listen, I kept talking to Robert about getting saved. And then one Friday night, Betty and I were off in revival. And I came home and there's a message from Robert. Said, you better get down here. He lived downtown Atlanta. And he said, Terry, he said, I need some help. So the next morning I got up early, called Robert. And he said, Rev, hurry. He said, I need some help. Went down there and I said, Robert, he said, man. He said, I went and bought me a little pint last night. And was going to come home and have me a little drink. He said, but I kept hearing you saying, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? And he said, remember when I was going to go up on the forklift and dump the trash and you wouldn't let me? You went up on the... And I said, yeah, Robert, I remember that. He said, God spoke to me when you did that. I said, God spoke to you. He said, yeah. He said, if Rev falls off there and dies, he's going to heaven. And if Robert falls off there and dies, Robert's going to hell. And he said, I don't want to go to hell. And I said, well, Robert, you don't have to go to hell. And he said, so help me. So listen, I led Robert to the Lord. I led, led his wife to the Lord. And so we went back. And, and listen, we came in that Monday morning. And Robert called. <laughs> he called everybody in the warehouse back there. And he said, I need to make an announcement. And, and they said, what's that, Robert? And he said, come here, Rev. And Robert took me by the hand like this. And he held up our hand. He said, look at Rev. He white as a lily. He said, look at old Robert. He said, I'm just black as can be. He said, but you know what, guys? He said, since Saturday morning, me and Rev got the same daddy. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? So this made it back to the office, and they called me back in there. And they said, what are you doing? And I said, I led Robert to the Lord. They said, I know we can't shut him up. Uh, led the man that cut the wire to the Lord. They couldn't shut him up. And then they got scared. They couldn't figure out what in the world is going on. So finally, Don Martin said, Terry, 
Don't you say one more word about Jesus Christ unless I ask you personally. And I said, brother, you know I'm not going to promise that. He said, I'm not playing this time, son. He said, I'll fire you that quick. So I went out. One morning, me and Robert was emptying the ashtrays in the trash can. He said, Brother Terry, did you really do that? Oh, listen, I've scrubbed toilets for Jesus. Doesn't bother me one little bit. Well, we were dumping the ashtrays in the trash cans. Oh, man, here comes Don Martin in the door. And everybody froze because we were going to meet face to face. And they thought, this is not going to be good. And I thought, well, dear Lord, here we go. So he kind of slowed down and looked at me and he said, good morning. I said, good morning, Don. And then he made the mistake of a lifetime. He said, Terry, what's up? I said, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the blood of the Lamb, the mercy seat. I said, I can tell you what's up, brother. I said, it's Jesus. Man, he went to his office and he, boy, he was, that was it. He was done. But you know what? He did not fire me. I worked there three years. When I left, I went to work at a Christian bookstore. And listen, I, <laughs> I didn't think he got saved. Then Steve and I met with a young man last week that started a church down here in the bar. And we're going to support him all. We're going to help that man out. He started with four people, Brother Pat, and now he's got 67. He had a baptismal service and baptized 18. You know why? He's preaching the gospel and people are beginning to see Jesus. Well, this Don, we're sitting there meeting with uh, Butch Butchers there, and he's with the Georgia Baptist Convention. And he says, uh, we're each giving our testimony. And Butch Butcher says, Steve, I worked for an electrical company before I got uh, saved and got in the ministry. And I said, what company? And he told me, and I said, man, I know that company. I said, I work for Goodwin, I work for Bagley, I work for electrical distributors. He said, did you know Don Martin? I said, yeah, man, I did. And I gave him a little bit of the story. And I said, man, as far as I know, that he died and went to hell. And Butch said, no, he didn't. He did not go to hell. He said, Terry, he got saved just a few years after he got sick, he said, Don got saved. He heard the word, and he heard the word, and he heard the word, and he finally saw Jesus. Church, you, you, you know what we need tonight. We need a good old-fashioned dose of Jesus. We need to tell the devil we're mad, listen to me, we're mad at hell, and we're just not going to take it anymore. And we're going to get in the word of God. And we're going to witness. And we're going to win people to Jesus. And whatever God does, I tell you right now, I'm not going to question Him. You say, Brother Terry, do you understand everything? Lord, no. But I, this one thing I do know, I know that Jesus Christ is real, and I know He came into my heart, and I know that He saved me, and I know that He wants to save others. And I love Him, and I want everybody to get saved. When I was a drunk, I wanted everybody to have a drink of liquor. When I was doing drugs, I wanted everybody to have some drugs. Well, let me tell you something. When I got saved, that was it. I was sold. There was not a doubt in my mind that everybody in the world, and I laid there that first night, and I said, Lord, if you ever need anything, just call me. I didn't have a clue what I was saying. And I said, Lord, I want to win the whole world. I never had a clue. It's been 12 years just here. And I got to go all over the world and preach Jesus and tell people about Jesus. And I'm going to keep right on telling people about Jesus. And listen, we started out in Genesis. We stopped one verse shy of God telling Adam and Eve, I'm going to clothe you 
And he took, it took a death and it took the blood and he robed them. He was telling them there's a forecoming. There is one that's innocent, an innocent lamb that's going to go to Calvary and that is going to be slain for the entire world. He's going to shed his blood for the entire world. He's going to pay for every sin. Jesus was blameless. That's why we're here. That's who made us. That's what we're doing here. We come here to worship Jesus. We come to tell. You know, when people ask me, man, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know how I answer them now? I say, well, when I get to feeling like that and asking that, I always ask myself, Terry, how's your prayer life? And you know, when I ask them about their prayer life, they don't come back and ask me what's wrong no more. You say, Terry, what's wrong with the churches in America? What's our prayer life like? Who are we telling? Before I got saved... I said, Lord, there's not anything I can give you. There's not one promise I can make. And you know what the Lord said? He said, I don't want your promises. He said, I want you, Terry. And you know tonight, if you're not saved, there's not one thing you promised God, I'm never going to sin again. You're lying. Of course you're going to sin again. But He died for you. And you've got to like Job. You've got to repent. And you know, once Job repented and he saw God, did you know God gave him everything back, including ten other children? Did you know He let him live four generations? Four generations? And enjoy it all? He blessed him again? Do you know what God wants to do to you tonight? He wants to bless you. But I'll tell you right now, and you know in your heart of hearts, Satan's either in your house trying to destroy your marriage. He is definitely trying to take our children. Topher's got one of the toughest jobs in this church. We need to keep him in prayer, pray for him, and love him, and help him. Children dying and going to hell. Children leaving God. Schools teaching them how to have sex. That's another thing. God said flee fornication. And the only place for it is in marriage. Now the, the schools are telling them, quote, how to have safe sex. And we're paying the government to do that. I'm not going to go there. But I'm going to tell you tonight what we need. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. I'm going to ask John to come. And we're going to sing. And we're going to have an opportunity. And you can come down here and i tell you what I'd do. I'd tell on the devil. If he was trying to take my family, if he was trying to take my marriage, if he was trying to take my church, I'd come down here and I'd ask God to cleanse my heart. I'd ask God to come. I'd ask God to take over in my life. I would not for one minute question God. God knows what He's doing. He knows who He is. Now on every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're not saved, this first call is to you. Tonight can be the night. You say, Brother Terry, I, I, I know. I've listened. I've heard. And, and I already know. I know I'm not saved. Well, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just raise your hand and let me know. Let God know. I'm not afraid. I want to tell God I'm not saved. I want you to just raise your hand. Right now, wherever you're sitting. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? I'm not saved, Brother Terry. Anywhere else? 
Brother Terry, I'm not saved. I want to invite the one that raised their hand. I want to invite them to come in just a few minutes when we stand. But then I want to invite you, church, whatever it is. Nobody knows your heart but God. And listen, Satan doesn't know uh, except what you tell him. He can't read your mind. But he can sure do everything he can to stop you. So we're going to pray. If you're lost in a few minutes, I want you to come. If you just need to talk to the Lord, you come. Skirts of a small town Down a dirt road on a hill In an old white frame house At a chair she would kneel My burdens were lifted Every time she spoke my name Yeah, God smiled at the devil When my mama prayed Yeah, I know about crazy Living outside the lines Oh, and I've been too far gone Way too many times it's no wonder I'm happy and feeling brand new Cause Mama and Jesus kept pulling me through You'd think that by now I be farther along But trouble grows easy From the bad seeds I've sown But I stand here forgiven And all the credit is due To Mama and Jesus For pulling me In this new house of mine But I keep it to remind me Of each tear that she's cried Now she's gone to heaven Someday I will go to Cause mama and Jesus Kept pulling She's gone to heaven Someday I will go to Cause Mama and Jesus Kept pulling me through If you're one of those out there that raised your hand when Terry prayed that prayer, then what you need to do is you need to call someone right now. You can call me at 
383-2107. Or you can call my partner, Daryl Spicer. 615-663-3199. So, friends, we want to help you. You know, Gary, one thing I really love about all of Terry Hopkins' messages is it all comes down to salvation. It all comes down to someone giving their heart to the Lord. There's a story that Terry tells us that his dad told him, if you ever talk about Jesus, then you need to give an altar call because that's what it's all about, people coming to Jesus. And that's why we do what we do, Gary and I. Yeah. It, it's 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 all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about a radio program or a CD or a Bible. It's about Jesus. The important thing, the bottom line, as our good friend Jackie Boland says, the bottom line is you giving your heart to Jesus Christ. That's right. We never, never end a program without asking you, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And Terry asked you that, and if you raised your hand, then we want to hear from you. And drivers, my friend, Gary Rayburn, has a song and testimony called At the Foot of the Tree that Dennis McKay uh, recorded for Gary and did an awesome job. And just like Gary Rayburn, if you said that prayer, then you've got a testimony. So let's go to the foot of the tree. Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those eighteen wheels are rolling that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go yes there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be and I tell everybody what's happened to me how I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past but I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart 
from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. sure appreciate you listening to this message today and we hope this message blessed you today and we want to hear from you you can call me chaplain daryl spicer at 615-663-3199 or you can call chaplain gary rayburn lonesome road ministries 618-383-2107 and remember this friends jesus loves you and we We do do too. too we'll talk at you later been driving all night, got 400 miles to go. Got the pedal to the metal and Vince skill on the radio. I just went through Texarkana heading down to San Antonio. But that's the life of a trucker driving his lonesome road. 